Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo, and I am your host, and I'm with the beautiful Flex. Today, we're talking about a highly, highly requested topic, and that is breakups. Heartbreak, dealing with exes, and how to survive the inevitable breakup that everyone will go through. <laughs> so, Flex, <laughs> how to survive the inevitable deterioration of your relationship. Of your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> because it will end. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is a good way to start. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I wanted to start by unpacking this notion of permanent love. Not even the notion of permanent love, but the pursuit of permanent love. Mm -hmm. Because it feels so counterproductive to our happiness and to our mental and spiritual and emotional well-being. And for some reason, here we are. So when you go into a relationship, are you going in with the, the hope that it will last forever? Or, like, why do you date? Oh, why do you always do this? You always start so hectic. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally speechless. I started. Um, okay, so if, you, if you're if you an OG listener that you know that I'm happy to waste my time, I don't go into relationships. <laughs> Look, I'm a brand new bitch, though. I've done a lot of growing since this podcast started. So what's that, like, three months? We love it. <laughs> Look, we love I, it. I don't go into a relationship hoping that it'll be a forever one just because nothing that I've ever aspired to have has been permanent. Um, mm. Platonic relationships, romantic relationships, familial, they've never lasted the duration of my life. So yes. to put that pressure on a relationship is um, counterproductive to me. Though I would appreciate or um, in an ideal world, I'd like it to be a forever thing. I think that kind of pressure is is not hasn't served me today. So no. I, you were the one who introduced me to this idea of not expecting permanence. I never found a good way to explain to someone that while I appreciated their existence in my life, I wasn't expecting Mm. them to be around forever without it sounding self-sabotaging and like I'm pushing them away. (laughs) It's almost like I can acknowledge that (laughs) this is really lovely, but I also know that realistically, this is not going to exist in five years because things don't. Um, Yeah. And people change. Have you always had that idea that relationships shouldn't be permanent? Or did you Um, grow into it? Yes and no. So I'm going to say no because I grew up being scammed by Disney and Hollywood, just like everyone else. However, I've never actually grown up with stability in any space, yeah, in any way, shape or form, which means that from the minute I turned six, actually from the second I hopped out the womb, I've just been moving around from country to country, continent to continent, 
um, school to school. So I've never really had any type of permanence. So the idea of permanence isn't really something that I've ever been attached to. From a very young age, I realized that, okay, everything in my life is going to be transient and I'm going to make friends. And in the back of my mind, I know that in five years, I'm moving to another continent and these friendships may or may not last forever. So I've just like, I go into everything like that. And um, on one hand, it's been really helpful because I just, I feel like I learned very early on that the value of relationships, whether they be platonic or romantic, is not longevity. Um, It's not outcomes. It's not attachment to goals like marriage or like now we're moving in. It's literally just the bliss and the experience of that relationship. Like there's no other value of doing anything except for the bliss of experiencing doing that thing. So yeah, I'm really not attached to permanence in any way. But that doesn't mean that when things end, I'm not sad. Like I'm still a human bitch. So I'm still a heartbroken (laughs) bitch, you know? (laughs) I'm still a human bitch. But you know also what it was? I think I wasn't realistic about... Uh, the length of relationships or even romantic relationships until I was in one. I was very naive Mm. post or pre anything, you know, like when you're in high school, you haven't had a quote unquote real relationship. And so you look at the, you look at relationships really idealistically. I like this person. They like me. We're monogamous. We're going to, we're going to fall in love. We're going to have kids. We're going to move in together, whichever order you want to do it. And then you get into a real relationship and half the time you're upset, half the time you're insecure majority of the time you're looking for other options consciously subconsciously it's just a little bit I don't know nobody prepares you for how Mm. complex it is to attach yourself to another person for (laughs) a a period of time it's just like not chill at all and I think we make it feel really chill (laughs) because that's the alternative than saying this is all going to be really really hard and granted most of us won't benefit that much from this but we'll still enjoy it anyway Yeah, and you know what? I think there's a lot of value in thinking about why why we date in the first place because I think that helps us just like navigate the areas of pain and heartbreak. I think when you understand that love is not designed to be permanent, you're really not as heartbroken when it ends because you didn't go in with unrealistic expectations. When you understand that love, romantic love isn't entered into with a rational mind, mm. you, you understand that like you're not being irrational when you feel like the entire world is collapsing around you. There's just also something very consoling in remembering that like this shit happens to everyone. Like no one is immune from the pitfalls and the inevitable destruction of romantic love. And it's just more of like a skill than an instinct. Like we all need to detach mm. from what Disney taught us and just like <laughs> get rooted back in reality. And remember that this shit is not designed to last. It's just designed to be enjoyed and experienced. So how are you going to be mad when it doesn't last, you know? I want to go back to what you said just before about how... Um, about thinking about why we pursue relationships generally, because I've had a very Mm. clear and debilitating is not the right word, it's a bit heavy, but I've just had an epiphany that my um, motivation for being in a relationship was inherently just to possess someone, like another way, like another 
uh, what do you call it? Like another uh, representation of success. Because, you know, when you look at people, you kind of look at people who've got a great job, they've got great relationships. So in a relationship, you place people on a pedestal when they have these markers of success. And I realised that that wasn't necessarily the most healthy reasoning or rationale to be in a relationship. And so opting mm. out has been quite uh, liberating because... Wait, why do you possess? Why do you think that is? I don't know. Because, like, I was, I was reading an article about it well, it, it stemmed from this video that I watched on YouTube by Jubilee where um, they were doing a social experiment and asking serial monogamists and serial um, polyamorous, I guess, people to sit yeah. in a room and to justify their dating beliefs. You know, why you choose to mm. be monogamous, why you choose to be polyamorous or non-monogamous. And um, one, of the, one of the people made a really great point about how a lot of monogamy is rooted in insecurity and possession that you mm-hmm. find someone, you possess somebody, you keep them, they become a reflection of you, almost like a possession of sorts. And if they do anything that you deem to be um, uh, like a, if they do anything that sort of looks like they're opting out of a relationship, they look at somebody else, they cheat on you, they spend time with other people, you feel as though they don't want you. And so you centre yourself in what should be and what should be a time to center the other person? And I was like, damn, mm. I do that all the time. How somebody behaves in a relationship, I always chalk that up to how they feel about me. Oh, if you hang out with me, you must care Bitch. about me. If you don't want to see me, you mustn't like me anymore. And I'm like, what is that about? And so much I of the way I've been socialized. I wanted to discuss this, yes. Yeah, so much of the way I've been socialized with your relationships is that you find someone, you catch them, and you keep them. It's like a fucking hunter-gatherer yes. type shit. And I was like, if that's not my... If that's my motivation, that like next to trying to appear to be a well-developed, well-rounded person, then that's no fun at all. And that's why I keep getting into relationships where I'm not happy with someone because they're not um, they're not living up to this preconceived expectation I have of relationships, being the perfect Just, partner. I'm for snapping this perfect my person. fingers. Yeah. Yes. Tactics. I also wow, as you were talking, that I just had an epiphany as well. Um, And that is, I think I've known this on a subconscious level. I think the reason I fall in love or the reason I pursue romantic love is escapism. Yeah, I think I yearn to escape myself. So I build homes into other people. And that's equally as toxic, but also (laughs) I think something that like a lot of people do. And I think similar to what you were saying, I think in the same way that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I think love is also in the eye of the beholder. And we need wow. to like discuss the delusion that comes yeah. with romantic love because it is delusion and it's a beautiful delusion. It's a fantasy, but that's what it is. So when we fall in love with someone, we start to view them with a different lens. And it's that lens that adorns your beloved person with the traits that you think made you fall in love with them. So there's nothing inherently lovable about your partner, but it's the lens through which you view them that makes them so lovable. So once you take off your rose-colored glasses, once you've fallen out of love, you're reminded that the love of your life is actually just a regular bitch and it's your gaze that put them on a pedestal. 
So it's just really consoling after a breakup to remember that when you miss someone, it's not actually them that you miss. It's the person that you are when you're around that person that you miss. And when you love someone, it's not because they're inherently lovable. It's because they trigger or they unlock the part of love that's already inside you. So all the things that you thought made them lovable were never in them in the first place. It was always in you. You were whole all along. So why are you so pressed? I'm spiraling. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> yeah, thanks for making me spiral. When I was thinking critically about why we should be in relationships and why we should fall in love, I was like, okay, I could think about altruistic things, like feel like thinking about how to be more compassionate, how to practice love, how to express love. I could do all of those things in a platonic mm. relationship. So what is this run to be picked yeah. or be paired with someone? And then you think about the different approaches. Like there can be like a conservative approach, which is like I pursue relationships to maintain social structures. Or you can be like codependent. Like I want to find my better half. I want to find the person who completes me. Or you can be really self-centered and say, oh, it's to, because I want to be happy or to grow as an individual to right. get my needs met or to be coddled. Or you can, it can be fear, you know, like I'm scared of dying alone. Or you can be like really nihilistic and say there is no purpose, we just do it. And it's like <laughs> how much time are, is the average person really thinking about why they spend so much time Literally. pursuing this thing that generally ends in like in heartbreak, fear, <laughs> sadness. And granted, there are a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> and granted, there are a lot of really amazing positives that come out of romantic relationships, but are there as many as we'd mm. like to think? And are there other ways to achieve those that aren't so wrapped up in, like, the games that are so involved in relationships? Like, just, like, it, do you know that feeling of when you put, like, a bunch of people in the room and you get them to discuss romance and relationships and then it turns into like this big fucking discussion of like <laughs> angst and sadness and like confusion you know people aren't going like wow yeah like I've, I'm having such a great time finding the love of my life it's been so chill it's been super organic it's like no it's been yeah. annoying I've been confused I've been led astray I've been bamboozled I've been hoodwinked <laughs> she said I've been hoodwinked <laughs> what is that about you know what i think it's because we we're all escapists i think we and as much as like maybe yeah. my view on romance is nihilistic i also think there's nothing in the world other than love that's worth pursuing as much as it's a fantasy and a neurological yeah. scam i think all of us should be in love all the time and not necessarily always with a person but you should be mm. in love with your craft or be in love with your life or better yet, be in love with yourself. But <clears throat> there's something mm. to be said about romance. And I feel like as much as being in love brings with it so much anguish and so much pain, I still just advocate that we always be in love because what else are we here to do <laughs> with these short, fragile lives but love and be loved? Like, yeah, pain and suffering is trash, but it's also a reminder that you're alive, bitch. Mm. Well, how have you benefited from heartbreak? <laughs> why do you always do this um how i benefited from heartbreak um yeah. heartbreak made me a better person it really did i think that heartbreak gave me permission to really be introspective in a way that was um 
in a way that I was encouraged, yeah. you know, people let me have my space, let me take time out, let me be really critical of myself and the person I was dating in a way that wasn't allowed when we were together because that would have been too picky, that would have been rude, I would have been a bitch. But at this point, I was allowed to sort of wallow in my sadness and to really critique how I got yeah. to this point in the first place. I think heartbreak illuminates that being <laughs> a dumb bitch isn't a, a, a one-day activity. Mean? being a dumb bitch requires (laughs) well like I feel like the consequence of being a dumb bitch and not that the demise of a relationship is due to being um dumb by definition but I think when you are in a position when you are heartbroken it allows you to reflect on what you did or what you experienced to get to that place objectively Mm. as well because I think the first stages of heartbreak are quite subjective like they hurt me because they're a dumb bitch and then you get out of that space because it's not really conducive to healing and you start to look at yourself um, from outside of yourself critically. Like, what did I do? What did I see? How could I be better? What will I do to make sure I don't feel this way again? What did it feel like to not feel this way? That kind of self-reflection is so powerful. And very few experiences in life will allow you that permission to feel that way. It's so awesome. (laughs) Heartbreak is sick. (laughs) Like once you get over the crying, it's so great. No, it is. Honestly, because I don't think that I would have done such critical analysis of myself had it not been And you know what? I also think like the level of critical analysis that someone you love can give you, you can't get from someone else. Mm. Like you can't get that from a family. You can't get that from a friend. Oh, no. There's something about like the critique and... Like, when you're in love with someone, you just observe everything about them, like the good and the bad. And someone who's yeah. not in love with that person just simply doesn't give enough fucks about them to give them that level of critical mm. analysis. But yeah, go on. I forgot what I was saying, but that's so true. Fuck, I miss being <laughs> in love. What a treat. It's so much fun. Until it's trash. You, you know? say that until. Yeah. Do you know, but I, it's what we talk about a lot, which is the narrative and the performance of living like when you're in a romantic relationship it's very hard to catch yourself in um in the state where you're reenacting what it is to be in love or you're reenacting what it is to be a good partner Mm. or you're role playing as opposed to really being present and I think that when you look at love and heartbreak retrospectively it's always so interesting the bits that you pull out and see as being great like I'm like love is so great but I had never felt so insecure than when I was in love. Because foundationally, what keeps me so secure in myself is ego. It's like narcissism. (laughs) (laughs) It's all these things that just don't have that much of a place in in true unadulterated love. Like you need to drop your ego. You need to drop your narcissism. You need to be more compassionate. And so I, I was operating out of a place of fear for so long because I didn't have my usual... Um, sort of tools of strength with me like I had to take down all my armor and I was like this is fucked like you don't and like anytime I chose to take back some of my perceived strength as in put up walls or be avoidant you lose the best parts of the relationship as well so it's like a lose-lose and a win-win it's (laughs) fucked (laughs) why is this like teetering between so grim but also so like liberating like are we gonna start crying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're just realizing things in this episode. This is an episode of absolute realizing everything. Um, yeah, I agree fully. Just some right? reflection. I mean, I. Ooh, how have I benefited from from heartbreak? I actually exist in a constant state of heartbreak. As in, like, I'm just a soft bitch. Like, I always have a very robust love life. 
because I just like prioritize romance over everything, mm. low key, which isn't always good, but like that's right. just what it is. And so right now, um, I'm heartbroken again because yesterday my boyfriend mm-hmm. and I decided to go on a break, which may or may not be a breakup, basically. Um, but basically, we just decided that. And I think the worst type of heartbreak is when you have to leave someone and you're still in love with that person. Like, that person didn't do anything mm. wrong. Like, they didn't cheat on you. They didn't do anything. But it's just like the circumstances of our relationship right now are not working. And so we have to part ways, which is mm. the situation I'm in right now. It's just like we're in such volatile spaces in our lives, like, at the beginning of our careers, like there's so much change happening. My mental health is so volatile. We're just in a space where we're not good for each other right now. And we've like had to part ways Mm. and it could be permanent. It might not be. And that's part of the anguish. People always want to know that. People want to know like, when do you know a relationship is over? What is the finite tell that lets you know that it's time to bounce? I don't know if relationships are ever really over. I always think that at the time I feel like it's time to break up with someone, the relationship is just infected. Ooh. It's like an open wound that hasn't been cared for. But you know that if you put some time in, got some antiseptic, went onto antibiotics, you could figure it out. Um, mm. But I also am trying to get out of that space of enduring things out of obligation or expectation. Facts. I think so much of my life I'm really concerned with being the uh, not yeah a perfect person or like a person who um uh who appears to have it all together and so I'll endure things for the sake of saving face and it's done nothing but teach it's done nothing but um it's almost like giving people the expectation that I'm superhuman which I fucking hate because <laughs> like I I want space <laughs> I want space to be problematic I want space to break down I want space to be a child mm. I want space to be nurtured and you can't have those things when everybody thinks that you have it all together. And so for me a relationship is over when I feel like it's I'm existing in it in spite of me. And that's a really clear thing for me to analyze because I think I I operate in a lot of spaces where I maintain things out of obligation that I know what it feels like to be in that space. And that might not be universal for people. People like doing things in spite of themselves. The altruist listening love doing that (laughs) shit, you know, and I appreciate that. Because you need altruistic people, but that's not my not my thing. I'm inherently selfish and I I know how to I know when I operate best. And I can't do it when I resent someone. Wait, give us an example of a time when you felt like you were existing in spite of yourself, like in a relationship. Yeah, well, I remember um, in, so yeah, in one of my relationships, I was dating someone who had terrible mental health and had suicidal tendencies. And so for months, I would tell my friends, I think I'm going to break up with him. Like, I think I'm going to break up. Um, And when I had told him eventually that I wasn't happy in the relationship, he was like going to threaten to kill himself essentially. Oh, but my <gasps> mental health is really bad. And you're the only one who keeps me happy. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I'm going to be That's chill. Really I'm going to like be a little bit more compassionate. And do you know, like, because I can identify as being inherently selfish, like I prioritize myself. 
Um, and everybody tells in relationships, you have to compromise, you have to compromise. I didn't realize until after that relationship that it wasn't compromising I needed to do. We both needed to collaborate. And so every time it felt like one of us had to give up something in spite of themselves or give up something to be better. And so, yeah. And so after that discussion, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to hang around because I don't want him to kill himself essentially. And I was like, well, what the fuck? Now I got to operate on eggshells and that everything I do is going to essentially force somebody to end their lives. I can't do it anymore. It's not fair. And I, I think, selfishly I was like I wonder if he'd give me the same courtesy if he were to find out that his actions were causing me the same um the same discomfort how far would he go to make sure I was okay and I didn't know and I didn't want to test it so I just had to bounce but things like that you know like a a different person and maybe a better person would have would have stayed around and said you know I need to do this bit because I love this person that's so tricky though for me love is not love to me um Enduring love is saved for people. Um, deserve isn't the right word. I just think that relationships, to me, are not all made the same. Mm. And in this relationship, it wasn't worth my life over his. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> I valued my life over his. Yeah. Therefore, I valued my happiness over his. And I wasn't happy. But also, I just think it's also best for him for you to not be the pillar that he's still dependent on. Like, it's going to be... Absolutely. Also, sometimes it's just tough love is love. But I also I also think that when people are in positions where they're questioning whether or not they should stay in relationships, I'm like, what are you really afraid of? Like, what is the consequence of opting out of this agreement? And usually it's something quite like banal. Like, oh, who am I going to share my memes with? Or, like, he's the person I talk to about work stuff because none of my friends will listen. Or nobody else watches this TV show with me. Or, like, we live together and it'd be hard to break the yeah. lease. Like, very few things are like detrimental to self absolutely but i mean even right now during my breakup right now the thing that's causing me the most anguish are the thoughts which and none of them are true which is why it's so important Mm. when you're going through a breakup to understand that like this headspace is a space of delusion like the thoughts Mm. going through my mind of oh my god i'll never find someone as sweet and caring and thoughtful as him or like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be alone forever because when will I find someone else? Like, I'm not interested in any of these hoes. Or the thought of him immediately moving on and like, he's eating someone's ass right now. You know, like... (laughs) (laughs) It's me on the other line. (laughs) I flew to New York. (laughs) And he's sucking your toes right now as we speak. (laughs) that's the state of paranoia and delusion you're in when you're heartbroken and that's why it feels like the entire world is ending like that's the Mm. actual feeling of heartbreak but the it just takes time to realize that like oh wait no, no 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 i found in my 25 years of existence i have found mad niggas and i will continue to find mad niggas because like love is just always right around the corner That's... yeah absolutely and it's also like we need to reconceptualize the way we even look at love like it's not really something that you find it's not something that like comes and finds you it's more so just like a state of being that you step into 
and then that state of being reverberates around the rest of your life and you just can't help but fall in love that's our <laughs> sermon on dealing with heartbreak well better yet i've got a question for mm. you how do you know when you should keep working on a relationship Ooh. i think that's very different to breaking up with someone yeah um and again, we sh- if if we look at is our problem that we look at the timeline of relationships as binary, like we're either together or not together, and it's got to be such a concrete, finite explanation of where we sit with each yeah. other, and that stress makes it difficult, as opposed to the relationship itself. Yeah, because I mean, something I also think about is whether we're dating or we're just friends. What is the actual difference besides the fact that I'm not getting my titty sucked by him? Mm-hmm. You know, so why the attachment yeah. to be romantic with someone when your relationship might be more expansive when it's platonic? Even though I don't fully believe in Absolutely. male female platonic friendships, but that's another episode. <laughs> I'm still going to fight you about that one. <laughs> I know. But yeah, I think it's also about like <clears throat> when you're in that space of trying to figure out should I fight or not? Sometimes it's about like, well, what am I fighting for? Like, am I fighting to possess this person because I'm filling a void? Um, Or am I fighting to just have this person in my life? Because in that case, you can have that person in your life in another format of relationship. And then there's also Mm. the question of, like you said, are you just staying in spite of yourself? Or are you staying because you actually want to be there? There's like the why are you there in the first place? Yeah, like, are you there for the person or, like, the the symbolism of a relationship? The symbolism. Because sometimes the relationship itself ruins the dynamic between two people. Haven't you noticed that, like, yes. you know, in a lot of these dynamics, you know, you're like, well, it was fine when there was no label and then we put our label on it and now it's ruined. That's literally <laughs> like, me all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you start to wonder, like, what what weird rules and guidelines and expectations you put on a person when you give them the title of being your partner yeah. or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your person, um, and how do you avoid that? Even the construct of, like, breaking up <clears throat> seems like, what is that? Is that, like, an expiry day? Do you, like, because I've always found it weird um, when you remove someone from your life post breakup. I didn't used to be that person. I think it was my narcissism keeping it going. But <laughs> recently I've decided that when somebody doesn't feel the expectation of what I of what I had for them, and that's not like not actions, I'm talking roles they play in my life. Like you're a friend, so you stay here. You're a partner, so you stay yeah. here. When they don't fulfill that expectation, I can't compartmentalize it. Therefore I'm like too stressful, they gotta go. Yeah. Which is bizarre. But also yeah. really helpful to, like, navigate relationships with people. I'm just not, like, a fluid enough bitch to be like, oh, you know, like, we were once friends and now we're going to date. And then we're <laughs> just going to be friends again. But then it's all chill when you're, like, 14. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but as an adult, I wonder, I wonder how healthy that is. No, that is, that is real as fuck. Because I'm noticing a pattern, which is that, I'll meet someone, all will be well, you know, it's fireworks, it's lusty, it's sparks, it's, it's all the things. And then now we put a label on it and we become a thing Mm. and then everything dissipates. And I've started wondering if 
it's because maybe as human beings we metabolize love so maybe it's not so much that the love actually disappears but we metabolize it in a way that we metabolize our food and so like it just feels different to catch 22 it's double-edged sword because while we don't want to ascribe to labels they do help you navigate what it is to engage with people yeah. like it's complex enough trying to figure out what this bitch wants from you when you're like having sex and you're meeting each other's parents but you're not together right. but they know all your deepest darkest secrets and they call you and hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I need help, but you're not even a relate. Like, it's too yeah. much. Well, do you think there's a benefit to, like, and I think people label this as, like, fuckboy culture, but do you think there's a benefit mm. to being the bitch who's like, oh, I don't do labels. I just exist. Isn't that you? <laughs> <laughs> it's what I'm trying to be. <laughs> do you know what? If we existed in a utopian society, sure, I would accept that privilege. But as we, as we exist now and to date, the I don't deal, I don't, I don't like labels thing causes you more problems yeah. than you need, because somebody will always force you to fit in one. Somebody will um, ascribe you a label that you don't align mm-hmm. with. Like it's problems. I understand not wanting to be confined to that label. But it helps people navigate you (laughs) and it helps you navigate people. Facts. Okay, that's real. Because like the way you consume the world generally is through some sort of sorting system. Like whether you want to or not, you associate certain beliefs with certain people, certain experiences with certain people, certain smells with certain people. When you take away the label, what is your fodder (laughs) for anything? (laughs) How do you encourage understanding? I refuse to believe we all have enough time in the day to get to know everybody on an individual fundamental level before we can figure out who they are as a person. Mm. I mean, and not ascribing to labels, that's like no star signs, no birthdays, no fucking personality tests, no mental illnesses. Like all these things are labels for a reason. (laughs) That's real. Okay, do you think it is sensible to stay friends with someone after you've been in a relationship? Mm. I, okay, so as I said before, when I was peaking my fire sign narcissist days, I would pride myself on being that bitch who stayed friends with anybody that she engaged with on a romantic level. It was like my token of honor. Mm. I was like the cool ex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I have now, uh, my new thing is, um, it depends on the relationship you have and why your relationship has changed cycles. So I've been in relationships where it went from like casual sex to like casual, like seeing each other to casual dating. And then it didn't work out because 
whatever and then we just revert back to what we know or we went to from casual friends we tried something together didn't really work out we revert back those things are great i find it harder when i'm in a longer term relationship platonic or otherwise romantic and somebody has done something to minimize me or my feelings and now you want to move back to what it was i can't do Mm. it because if you weren't if you couldn't get it together when you had the chance then am i just fooling myself thinking that a different label will make this better I don't know. And so it, sensible depends what you want from the person. I often find that the person who, who, the person who wants you to stay friends has less to lose than the person who doesn't. Ooh. And maybe it's just because I'm a competitive Which person I've and I'm always thinking it, like... Really. I'm spiraling. Because when, when I was in the position where I was like, I want to be friends with my exes, it's because I was the one who had broken it off. I was the one who would... Like, I was... I could still brag about it. I did nothing wrong. It was nothing like, no sweat off my back. You want to be friends or not? It doesn't bother me in any yeah. way. But it wasn't until I was in a relationship where I felt as though this person was using me as their emotional crutch, mm. like someone to be their therapist, somebody to be their like key to a better lifestyle. Just like someone's, like your jump off, essentially. You know what I mean? Right. Like this is, you're my jumping off point to something better. I was like, even if we break up and maintain friendships, you still get all the benefits because of the association. Nobody's going to look at you as, as Flex's boyfriend to Flex's right. friend. He's going to be that boyfriend and I get no benefits from this. So, yeah, sensible, sure, because, you know, a, a more mature Flex wouldn't disregard somebody's, uh, like, effect on her life because they no longer ascribed a label. But I'm not a more mature Flex, so oh, wow. I can't speak for her. <laughs> <laughs> but do you I mean, maintain friendships with your exes? In the past... No. So I'm also the type of person that gets over breakups incredibly quickly because I am a mm-hmm. diabolical Gemini. And <laughs> truly I am. No, I think in the past, no. But that's because this is the first time that I'm having an amicable breakup. <laughs> in the past, it's mm. always been drama and like, I'm going to go set your house on fire. And so when that happens... I literally just, I block, I delete, and I keep it pushing. And I think that lack of distance also makes it easier to get over someone. Um, And Mm. it does, because usually I'm like, I'm cool within maybe a cool like two to four weeks-ish. However, right now, this is my first time, well, I guess this is also my first like real mature adult proper relationship that's not just a fling um this is my first time having an amicable mature breakup that's not like you lying deceiving piece of shit it's just like oh we're actually not compatible in these ways so let's try and restructure it in something else um and we're gonna hang out tonight for the first time as platonic friends so we'll see how that goes Mm -hmm. but yeah, like, even though we're no longer dating, he still, like, texts me to be like, so how are you feeling? Like, are you okay? So I think it's working out so far. I just think it depends on whether or not you had a foundation of friendship to begin with or not. Very true. And I also don't think, I think if you're dating someone without a foundation of friendship, then your foundation is a problem. Yeah, it's already it's destined to fail because romance is inherently volatile. Whereas friendship, oh, absolutely. yeah, friendship is inherently quite stable. 
um, and actually has the range for endurance. So if your relationship isn't built on friendship, it's going to die as soon as the volatility seeps in because you don't have anything stable to to keep it functioning like in a healthy way. That's absolutely true. I wish we could like blow that up in all caps. Honestly. And paste it across everybody's forehead. <laughs> because, and I, I analyze that behavior in myself, you know, because I think all the relationships... Um, I've been in where I've maintained a friendship mm. is because there was a friendship to begin with. Yes. I also think that when you are rushing to be picked or you're rushing to pick, you forget that the foundation of successful relationships is not lust and sex. <laughs> <laughs> a concept. Wow. An, an, yeah, honestly, though, because how many people do you know who were in successful, thriving relationships who aren't engaging in sex on the regular? Too many to count. Mm. There's nothing worse than looking at a couple who's been together for however many years, who struggle to find things to talk about, who don't have any hobbies in common, who yeah. don't know themselves outside of the relationship with each other. It's so sad. It is But tragic. also, I think it's really hard to combat it because people won't allow you space to get to know them freely. Bitch. Those it's the people who you know what I mean? It's like you want to get to know someone and they're like, Well, you're gonna trap me in our relationship, you're trying to force me to do so and so, and so you try and disarm them with some charm, you lure them in with some sex, blah blah blah, to show them, hey, I'm chill, I'm not trying to lure you in to be my man. <laughs> I just want to get to know you. <laughs> people won't give you space, and so you get stuck in this weird gray area where you have to start bartering the exchange of friendship. Yeah. Like, well, maybe if we have sex for six weeks, we can finally go and see that movie before 8 p.m <laughs> <laughs> look i'm over it it can't be me i also do think there's <laughs> value in giving people space to hate you like sometimes especially if you're the one that initiated the breakup i think sometimes it's just cool to be like you know what you probably hate me right now so i'm gonna give you space mm. to hate me and that's fine oh yeah but don't, I'm still thinking, I don't know if I said this before in my head, but the construct of breaking up also seems, I don't know what, 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 what's the word? Like I'm juvenile? Like, I don't know if juvenile is it, but also it feels like a tool people use to remind you to stay in your lane. You know, like when we hear about people breaking up, we're always like, who did it? Who broke up with who? Oh, who got the one up on yeah. someone? It's almost like this run to make sure that even in with the demise of this relationship, one of us still comes out on top. It's, you know, like competition and games. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, it's, it's a specialty of a immature bitch. Oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> it's like the height of maturity, knowing that even if somebody can't be the person that you wanted them to be or the person that you projected, they still have value. Like, are we just like dismissing the value of a person because they don't fit Absolutely. within our narrative? And because they, hmm. you know, I used to be the person, wow. So especially in high school, because I had such like fear of um, abandonment, like, I don't know where they come from. I need to dissect that. But as soon as I would, I wouldn't even be dating someone. But as soon as I would sense that something is off or, oh my God, there's conflict or especially if I sense that they were starting to lose interest or just not putting in the same amount of energy that they used to, I would break up with them simply so that they don't do it before I could and I could get a one-up uh. on them, you know? 
-hmm. would be my mm -hmm. form of harm reduction. But in that, I'm pretty sure I lost out on so much love that was like out there yeah. because my pride and ego was prioritized over my desire to experience love. Mm. It is the height of immaturity. It really is. Well, what do you think is the best way to break up with someone? Um, okay. I think that everybody needs a grace period. I think that if you're going to break up with someone, they need a warning. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> because <laughs> I have found that in experiences of breaking up with people, my, like, it wait, like, I slept easier knowing that I wasn't, um, wasn't springing it on someone in like a fit of like, you know, sadness. So I wasn't like springing a, a breakup because I was having a tantrum mm. that I was like rationally saying that this is how I'm feeling. Here's a warning pre breakup. Like today I feel like this relationship isn't working and I want to break up with yeah. you, but I'm going to give you room to explain to me like, if I, am I misreading things? Am I being immature? Because I'm a very impulsive person and I act irrationally, all the time because I force my thoughts to be rational. I not how do I explain this? Like I act irrationally quite a bit, but because I'm um because I'm a logical person, I make myself believe that my irrational thoughts are rational. Yes. Like I project these thoughts I'm thinking and make them reality. And I take behavior and I dilute it down to its most basic form and convince myself that that must be the truth wow <laughs> so x plus y equals z because it has to what other ex explanation is there anyway so because i would um spring break up some people and they would be confused it would make me feel confused and then i would be like well fuck am i making this up was it really this bad so a pre-breakup warning i think it's fair to give somebody like six to six weeks but how do and, you and I'm do not talking that like i'm because often i find that when you get closer and closer to your tipping point of breaking up with someone, it's because you're not communicating as clearly as you want to be. When you're running high on emotions, you assume you're being um, as clear, as concise, as rational, as objective as you are, and you're probably not. So I think in these situations, when I thought that I was at my tipping point, it was because I was at boiling point in my head. Like Ooh. I was I was uh, sort of like having these like scenarios in my head of what could happen if I stay. And if I stay in this relationship now, I'm going to be 35 dating a so-and-so and so. And like my kids can't have a dad like this. <laughs> like I'm just going, I'm spiraling. And like before, before I would like verbalize these issues, it would hit breaking point. I'd be like, no, I have to make a decision right now. Because if I don't make a decision right now, I'm stuck with this guy for the next yeah. 10 years and I can't have a deadbeat <laughs> husband. Things like that. So I think give someone a pre-breakup warning. And this is not to be like an ultimatum or um, or what do you call it? Like a confrontation of sorts, but a check-in. I think if you're mature enough to exist in a relationship dynamic, this shouldn't be too hard to do. Just let somebody know how you're feeling, but also let them know that it's closer to being a breakup than not. And give them room to evaluate their behavior. I think if people know that you are serious and they know that the um, that how you're feeling is time sensitive. They're going how they behave and how they change if they do is very indicative yes. of how much they care about this dynamic. You know what I mean? So if I say that I feel as though that I can't be in this relationship because I don't trust you, you're not a good communicator, um, you withhold and so and so, and the next six to eight weeks they know you feel that way and they still behave in that way, then you know. Then you know. You know? Then you absolutely yeah. Um, you're just describing my previous relationship actually and that is absolutely oh, there you go <laughs>
So I think a pre-breakup, however long you want to make that, I think whatever. Um, and then after you do that pre-breakup, let the person know that like we're going to have a chit-chat, do it face-to-face. Um, and I like to conduct my breakups like a uh, debate. <laughs> I go, you go, I go, you go. And then like, you know, did did I miss did I misread that? It's like very clear communication. Yeah. This is not the time to be pointing fingers. It's a time to say how you're perceiving the relationship. And I feel like you should go into a breakup knowing what your decision is. I feel like if somebody yes. can sway your decision, Absolutely. then you're not even ready for the conversation. <laughs> so like if you're going into breakup, do your due diligence and make sure that you're communicating clearly as to why. And also so that person has cl- uh, not closure, but so they have a good indicator of what was the final straw and then do your piece. Yes. If you're going into a breakup hoping they change your mind, I don't really know what you're looking for. <laughs> I think sometimes people do that because they're not looking to break up, but they're looking for reassurance that you, that person still loves them. And that's why it's important to interrogate whether you're trying to break up or whether you're trying to troubleshoot. Because, oh yeah, you know what I mean? I think a lot of times... We break up with people when in reality, what you wanted was reassurance that that person still loves you. So instead of breaking up, Mm. you can just open your mouth and actually just ask them. Just be like, hi, I'm Mm -hmm. feeling really unloved lately because of ABC. And I just want to know if you still love me the way that I love you. That could Mm. solve so much unnecessary pain and heartbreak if you just set your your privacy. It's so crazy. I, I remember telling this guy I was breaking up with him. Um, he was like, well, just give me a chance and what can I do to make it better? And because I had already, like, this was like a four-hour conversation. I had already gotten to the point I had cried, I had yelled, and now I was just like a stone-cold, heartless bitch. <laughs> Not heartless. I think my heart was very full, but I just didn't have room to mince my words. And I said, I have to break up with you because even if I wrote a list of everything you'd need to do, you'd need to be a different person. And even if you could do that, I still wouldn't want to be with you. And that for me was like the turning point because I didn't even realize I was saying like, I need you like, because let's say if my frustration was that um, he was, um, he had really terrible mental health, not his problem, not his fault, sorry, but would, would do things that would trigger him to behave in ways that were so detrimental. So like, you know that if you drink more, it'll trigger depressive spiral. If you smoke a lot of weed or do a lot of drugs, it'll trigger suicidal thoughts and you keep doing them. And so I was like, if you stop doing that, you'd be a different person. That is so integral into your character. (laughs) Like that informs how you live your life. You know what I mean? Like you live your life with peaks and drops of like depressive spirals. So if you stop doing that, you'd be a different person. And I don't want, I don't want me as a person to be the motivator or not even the motivator, the sole purpose for somebody bettering themselves. Because oh no. Oh my God. Yeah, this is key. I hope you hoes better be taking notes. And you hoes think it's so cute when someone wants to it's change It's not for you. cute no, at bitch. all. <laughs> In fact, that's a red ass flag. And you know, on yep. that note, actually, another red flag is when you're with someone and you're incapable of telling your friends or your close circle the problems that you're having because you know that an objective third-party view will demolish the entire fabric of your relationship. If you are in the space where you're reluctant to tell even your friends about your problems, Mm. it's because you know your problems are real. And it's time to take Mm. off the delusion glasses and 
Oh. I talk about delusion so much in this episode because it's really important to realize that when you're in a state of love or even more so infatuation, when you're infatuated with someone, you prioritize your delusion and your pursuit of being loved over the truth. And when you do that, Whoop. you'll let anything slide. You will wow. see all the red flags and be like, no, 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 but this must mean ABC. Because that's how delusion mm-hmm. works. You'll prioritize mm-hmm. anything over truth just so you can keep being attached to the addiction of validation via romance. So it's like, ouch. You can't keep your relationship insulated, isolated from your inner circle. Red flag as fuck. And, you know, if this, all this was easy, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think the topic of breakups is so universal mm. um, and also but so elusive. Like, we all go through it. We all make the same mistakes. We spend our life pursuing the idea of relationships only to find one and realize that it's causing us more pain than good. Yeah. We can't separate ourselves from our really juvenile ways of seeing the world. And that bleeds into everything that we do. And it's amplified when you see yourself reflected in your partner. When you're with someone and you don't recognize the person you've become, the person they've become, you start to wonder like, damn, how did it get this way and how can it be better? (laughs) I was thinking though that um, like as I sort of review what I want in a partner moving forward, um, I think it's somebody who can appreciate that although the love is delusional and it causes us to behave in ways that are really dumb, that we're not attached to each other (laughs) out of fear of being alone. And I, and I want, just as you talk about not being afraid of death, I don't want to be afraid of the inevitable demise of a relationship by not reviewing it regularly. So I was thinking like, if, would you Bobo agree to like, almost like a performance review of a relationship like letting your partner know that like maybe every six months we have a critical discussion about our relationship and it might be boring it might be like dry but I think that would be really helpful to know that if you were having problems that you thought were a bit heavy for an average day but could lead up to a real constructive conversation that might be really healthy for people yeah so I think the hardest thing about a relationship is feeling oh there's no good time to tell somebody that you know I feel disconnected from them there's no good time to tell somebody that you know I'm thinking that monogamy is not for me because you know it's it's almost his birthday and then it's almost Christmas and then like his mum died on this day so I can't do it then and then oh but it's Easter and like blah 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 like if we just had a date like a review date oh my god this might counter the fear of forever if we're just sort of working towards the next date (laughs) kind of like a review anniversary and i don't know if that's a bit idealistic like would that work in a scenario because you might get to the review and be like you know what i'm actually quite happy with this you know or it could give you like a constructive timeline to work towards bettering yourself you know this review we had this chat about being more emotionally open i know that i've got up until this date to work on it or at least give feedback on it I don't know. I think it was. I haven't trialed yeah. it, but I think it could actually. Be good. I've had it before. It wasn't with a boyfriend, um, but it was with. I guess we'll call him a fuck buddy, and yeah. yeah, we had a very healthy dynamic, even though we weren't like dating. But um, I think after the first maybe like two months of us doing the things. Um, I saw him and he was like, hey, so I just want to check in and make sure you're cool with everything. Like, is there anything you'd like us to change? Is there anything about our dynamic that makes you uncomfortable? Like, let's discuss like where we are right now. And also I have a friend 
who did the same thing he was like hey so sometimes i'm not sure if you hang out with me because you're just being nice or if you hang out with me because you want to but can we just like have a quick review of our friendship like let's just do that and so i think we need to do this for all of our relationships well not all but the ones that we actually care about um which is very few. yeah which is very do few. your math literally it's probably <laughs> like to say people. i love all my friends everyone's special to me i like it no why no, are no. You lying you definitely pri- why are you lying stop lying stop lying. there are definitely people you prioritize this is what i was saying the other day like the reason why i can justify ghosting because i just don't care about a lot of people <laughs> you can't force me to care about a stranger that i've met and talked to on the internet for a total of 12 minutes like i'm sorry i don't owe that person <laughs> a realistic breakdown of why i don't want to engage with them i will ghost oh my god i'm <laughs> crying no absolutely <laughs> I always love to say, no, be good to people. Treat others how you'd like to be treated. Like, I'm not paying for an extra hundred and something a week in therapy because I told some man after 12 minutes, I don't want to engage with him. <laughs> and he called me a fucking witch. <laughs> he called you a witch. I am on the floor. I'm actually on the floor. Yeah, I think we should be having... In fact, let's replace marriage with annual performance reviews and contracts Mm. like yeah let's be like you know what let's have a five-year contract and if it works out we can renew it if it doesn't let's have a review oh also if you go over the five years it'll be like you know a rental contract it just keeps going over and going over no one talks about it on that topic though do you think that relationships should have a disgust expiry date i find that when i get a lot of dms when people asking about relationship advice they're talking about you know like my person's going here and so you know i know that on september the 22nd you know they'll be flying off to belgium and so we have to break up should i just break up with them now so and so and I was like, gosh, I would feel so relieved knowing that there's like, not relieved, but I think in that scenario, knowing that there's a, an expiry date would be quite helpful yeah. than just being like, well, maybe like you'll go to Belgium and we'll see how things go mm-hmm. and it's we'll, we'll leave things open. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit too, um, too compartmentalized to have an expiry date. But I definitely think annual reviews of relationships would be quite helpful. Yeah. I mean, so in that case where it's going to be long distance, <clears throat> I've tried long distance. It doesn't work. (laughs) However, (laughs) I think long distance can work if you know that there's an end date to the distance. So I think in that case, an expiry date could be helpful. Like if your partner is going to be on another continent for eight months, maybe you guys can be like, okay, we'll take an eight month break because I also need to get my nut and you need to get your nut. Mm. So let's take an eight-month break, and then we can resume. There is a risk involved in that, in that (laughs) by the time they come back, they could be completely different people, or you could be too. But love is risk. Like, anything worth pursuing will be risky. So Mm. why not do it anyway? Interesting. I do want to ask everybody listening, though, if you can let us know potentially... um, in the comments of the Instagram post that we'll do for this episode, why do you pursue romantic relationships? Like, honestly, not from an idealistic, altruistic place. I'm talking about what is your motivation for enduring 
relationships generally. I'm talking romantic ones. Yeah. What stopped you from breaking up with somebody in the past? How do you view people who are in relationships versus those who aren't? Do you find that you have a, a prejudice towards people who have been in long-term relationships, people who have been single? I want to mm. know. Because I like, I think it's really interesting when we pose these questions about judging people. Everybody wants to put their hands up being like, I don't think about other people's whenever. Like, why should we talk about so-and-so, so-and-so? Because we do anyway. We do. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's I can't be the only bitch in the world <laughs> who has stigmas against certain things or experiences for any irrational reason. Yeah. Like, I'm not in it alone. So, yeah, tell us why you pursue romantic relationships. I want to know. And if you don't know, also tell us that. Yeah. Because it only occurred to me in this, like, however many months of being, like, single and not dating that I don't even know why I pursue romantic relationships aside from I don't know social clout (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that's a really important question like to interrogate Mm. in all aspects of your life like why do you do anything but particularly Mm. romantic love so yeah that's our take on that but you know what actually I think I'm really fascinated by I just thought about your question of judgment I'm really fascinated and in awe of people who have been like people that are like, yeah, I've been married five times and I'm still looking for the one. Like, I find that so inspiring. Mm. I think that's the most beautiful thing in the world. Like Mm. you've been divorced five times and heartbreak didn't ruin you. Love it. Oh, my goodness. Right. Because I often wonder, like, how like how bad will a heartbreak have to be to render me emotionally unavailable for the rest of my life? I don't think it's possible. Because even when I'm in positions where, like, I'm breaking up with someone or I'm... Because I've always been the one to cut off a relationship, unless it's been one of those things that's been, that's been, I don't know, that you, like, grow apart from each other. So that, in my head has made it easier for me to navigate pursuing relationships like this position this hierarchical power thing but it's like if you are in a position where you kept where someone kept breaking up with you like how many times you need to be broken up with to be like no fuck this like i'm broken (laughs) who knows i think that i don't want to know how many times not women i think men literally will have their heart broken once when they were 16 because some girl (laughs) didn't text them back and they'll be like well yeah and that's why i'm a fucking asshole and that's why (laughs) we should all like fuck women and go like get the fuck over it fam i'm yelling (laughs) it's literally men damn i yeah i can't wait to see what people have to say about this because the epiphanies are happening and also do you know what it is my best friend grace right i don't think i've ever loved a person outside of my family as much as i love her which makes me think if we had all the space in the world to really pursue people as we wanted to right like with no limitations as to what a relationship can be because they're like a friend or a girlfriend or a boyfriend then how much love would you have to give oh an infinite amount i wonder I think that's mm. how we're programmed to be, honestly. And that's why romance gives us so much anguish. Because it's going against our natural desire to just give and give love infinitely. Because I also think mm. love expands in an exponential way. So once you love one person, your capacity to love increases exponentially. And it keeps doing so until like you just stay loving, you know? 
But I think we've deluded ourselves. Oh, no, not we, but capitalism has forced us to conceptualize love in a really possessive way, in a really structured way, because it keeps the family unit going. And it's a really fun way to control women and police their sexuality. So that's my thesis on that. (laughs) <laughs> hope you enjoyed the episode hope you enjoyed <laughs> you know i hope this wasn't too heavy <laughs> but yeah let us know all your thoughts um follow us on instagram at bobo and flex please give us a review on apple podcasts follow us on spotify follow us on soundcloud and follow our personal pages and spread the love Thank you again for listening and we'll find you in our next episode. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.